0: We are continuing a series that we started last week. The series is just entitled Relational Leeches. People who suck the life out of you. Relational Leeches. What do leeches do? Leeches suck blood from you. They suck the life out of you. And uh, maybe in this message series, that's the people we're talking about. How do we love people who suck the life out of us? Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, those who are controlling us, and if you missed that, I encourage you to get that. That'll be online this week. You can grab both of these messages that way. Next, we're going to talk about needy, those people that are needy. Um, How do we love those appropriately? The final week, we're going to talk about how do we minister to those people who are hypocritical? They're saying one thing, calling themselves a Christian, but they're not living like Christ. How, How do we what's our responsibility there? But today I want to deal with something that all of us will have to face at one point or another, and that's this. We will all face critical people. People who are overly critical. In fact, how many of you would say that you have someone in your life that has a spiritual gift for fault finding? Right? Um... I don't know if you have anybody like that, but I know that there are sometimes that people like come across our path that way. They criticize everything. If you've leaned over sometime today and you have come up with three or four things to criticize about, this message might be for you. So, how do we deal with those people? How do we love them when they're overly critical? Maybe you work for a boss like this. The only time you ever hear anything from them is when you've done something wrong. There's no praise that comes with it. Maybe you're an adult and your parents are still living and they're still criticizing everything you do, the way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, the the fact that you even go to this church, maybe. Whatever it is, they're criticizing everything. Maybe it's your spouse. Who's critical of the way you look, the way you talk, the way you walk, how you chew gum, how you load the dishwasher. I'm just saying, we've had times in my house where I'll load the dishwasher and she's so gracious because she lets me go sit down like I don't know what she's doing. Right? And she re-stacks things the way it needs to go. That's okay. I'll, st- I'll keep putting them in there, baby. You just keep moving them where they need to go. Or maybe it's because you leave your clothes all over the place. Or you wear the same shirt everywhere you go. I don't know. But you deal with an overly critical spouse. How do we deal with, and appropriately, and how do we love people who are critical? You know, in reality, the church is a very easy target for critical people. If the devil can get both the world and us as the body of Christ to criticize the church, he knows it makes Jesus look less appealing. May say something like this. Somebody may say something to you like this. Oh, did you know that's a Pentecostal church? They probably handle snakes. <laughs> They're probably swinging by the chandeliers. Did you know what do you know what goes on in that place? Man that preacher he's he's too demanding. I, there are people who may, they come to church on Sunday morning and then they go have their pastor for lunch. And I'm not talking about inviting him to a meal. They say stuff like this, the pastor's always asking us to serve like Jesus, to give, to change. That preacher doesn't talk about this enough, and you can insert the topic that you like. Or he talks too much about this, and you can insert the topic that's your least favorite. Worship is just too long. Worship is too short. Those are just some of the things. I I don't know. No matter what you do, wherever you are, there's going to be people that are going to be critical. There's a quote that was attributed to Aristotle. Other people are not sure who said it. So I'm, I'm just going to say this is a quote that I found that it's uh, attributed to him. And it says this To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. I, I don't want to criticize that quote because we're talking about being critical, but. I, I'm not really mean to criticize that quote, but if you say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing, somebody's going to criticize you for being a lazy bum. The fact is this if you are alive, you're going to deal with criticism, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, because the Bible says that we're supposed to be not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what that means is this. That means that I am here, but I've got a different value system. I don't value the things the world values. I want to value the things of God. I want to value people, not stuff. I want to value what God wants in my life. I want to value Him above all things, not just about what I can do, but who I am in Him. And as long as you have that kind of value system, you're going to find yourself that you're going to deal with criticism. Because you're going to be persecuted. The Bible tells you that. If you're following Jesus, you need to learn, how do I deal with criticism? Because for some of you, this is wrecking some of your relationships. For some of you, you've got people that are critical in your life all the time. So how do I love them as a a Christ follower? I want to give four thoughts today. Four thoughts today to how... Do we respond and love critical people? We're going to go throughout the scripture. It's not one text. We're going to have several places where we're going today. But the first thing is this. The first thought is this. Often, you don't respond. Often, you don't respond. This one's difficult for some of you. Because when somebody says something, you feel obligated to defend and obligated to respond and you find that man what do you mean i can't do that let me just kind of give you a a little bit of thought process in this this can be unbelievably freeing for you oftentimes you don't respond let's look at what uh peter says go to first peter chapter 2 verse 23 it says this when he was reviled he did not revile back In other words, when he was criticized, when he was poked at, when when people shouted things at him, he did not shout back. He didn't feel the need to hurl insults or to criticize. Matter of fact, these people would say stuff like this. They said that he was a friend of sinners. That's not a really complete compliment in those day and age. They would say stuff like he was a drunk. They would say that he ate too much. They would say that he partied too much. They would say that he was crazy. They would call him a a false god. They say he was a heretic. and, And that list continues to go on and on and on. And finally, on the day he was crucified, they hurled insult after insult after insult at him. The high priest and all the people in, in that court hold insult after insult as he walked the streets toward Golgotha, insult after insult. But Peter makes a point here and he says, listen, he did not strike back. Oftentimes when you're criticized, you didn't, don't retaliate. But he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. He didn't defend himself. How do you respond to critical people? Sometimes you don't. Just because they have access to you doesn't mean that that demands a response from you. I love what uh, Proverbs 19:11 says. Proverbs 19:11 it says Um, it, It talks about this idea of offense. It says, A person's wisdom, discretion of a man, defers his anger. In other words, his wisdom of a man defers anger, and in its glory, to pass over a transgression. One, the NIV says, A person's wisdom yields patience, and it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. What does that mean? To overlook an offense. Overlooking an offense is not the same thing as pretending it doesn't happen. That's denial. It's not the same thing. What it means is this. That word overlook, for those of you that know, the Old Testament was written in original Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, that word overlook in this passage actually has a couple of different meanings. Both of them talk about this idea to pass over or to get over it. In other words, to overlook an offense is a form of forgiveness, but it's not forgiving in the past tense. It's forgiving in the present tense. Right now where you are, forgiving in real time. In other words, I, I know that that probably doesn't, when somebody says something, it's not fair. I know that I could get angry. I know that I could fight back. I know I could retaliate. I know I can get offensive, but I also know that if I continue to do this, my heart's gonna get bitter. And so I'm gonna choose in this moment to get above that, and I'm going to overlook that offense in real time. To forgive. I'm not going to wait three months and be upset. I'm not going to be bitter about this. We're going to talk about that a little later on. But I'm choosing right now because I've been called by God. I know I have a higher purpose. And I understand your heart may not be, but I know the extent of mine is I'm going to rise above this. When I was, uh, this is something that Crystal and I had to learn very early on in our ministry. There was a, a dear brother. Uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord. I, when I, My first uh, past, youth pastor position I took, he was an associate pastor. His name's I.T. Beard. Love that guy. He was amazing. He'd come into my office one day and he'd say, you're not doing anything. Come on, let's go. <laughs> what do you mean I'm not doing anything? <laughs> come on, let's go. That's the kind of guy he was. He made a a. a connection with me, and and he told me this early on in my ministry, and this is something I've always remembered. He said, if you're going to live for Jesus, you've got to have skin like an elephant. You got to have skin like an elephant. You know, we experience in our ministry and life some very real, in the moment, deep, significant hurt. And I tell you, just being transparent before you, there was part of me they wanted to raise up, shake it off, and defend myself. Say, you know what? I want to strike back. I want somebody to know that this isn't fair. Bless God. <laughs> this isn't right. I wanted to be quick to defend. But sometimes... You just got to sit back and let the Spirit of God raise you above it. You choose in real time to overlook an offense. I'm not going to let this take me down because I have a higher calling. The second thing is this sometimes you respond carefully. Sometimes you respond carefully. Notice I did not say that you react distinctively. I said, you respond. Responding is very, very different from reacting. Reacting is based on emotion. When you respond, you get the opportunity for the Spirit to lead you in this. There's a, a great example of this in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Gideon in Judges chapter 8, and he's taking some heat for some people, from some people who didn't like what he was doing. It says this, Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What have you done to us by not calling us to go and wage war against Midian? And they argued heedily with him. Some versions say it this way, that they challenged him vigorously. Another version says they criticized him sharply. But what did he do? He didn't defend himself. He didn't fight back. He didn't say, That's not fair. He simply responded. And Scripture says this, he answered them. He said to them, what have I done now compared to you? Are not the gleanings of the grapes of Ephraim better than the harvest of Ebenezer? It was into your hands that God gave the Mennonite commanders, Oreb and Zeb. What was I able to do compared to you? And when Gideon said this, their anger against him cooled down. He didn't come back and try to response. He gave a very clear, very rational, very spirit-led response. He says, guys, you don't understand that the work that we're doing together, is, is God's bringing blessing to it, and it's actually a good thing. And he said when he brought that response that their anger against him subsided, there are times when a real answer or response, often a kind of a, a crit, to, that we give to a critical person to help us understand that maybe before they, they didn't have a knowledge of what was going on, but you get a chance to respond. At some point, you're going to do something. You're going to say something. Somebody's going to criticize you. Why? Because you're not perfect. They're going to say things like, why in the world are you going back to school? What in the world are you doing choosing full-time ministry at this stage of your life? You should be going to business. Why do you serve all those hours at church? I mean, you're up there every time the doors are open. What are you thinking? What, what do you mean you're going to be a stay-at-home mom? You've got all that talent, or, or there's the flip side of that too, that says, what do you mean you're going to work? And whatever it is, you'll find that if you respond, you'll have an opportunity to be spirit-led because when you react, nobody wins. Friends unleash on you harsh criticism. Your your coworker picks you apart. Man, You didn't do this, you didn't do that. People in your life criticizing you. But you need to learn to wait before you respond. Let me share this with you. You want you wait before you respond because when re- emotions are high, wisdom is low. You need to catch that. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. You wait. Not being led by the spirit. Don't be dri- be led by the spirit, not driven by emotions. In other words, you're typing it out, just don't hit send. Don't react in emotions. Be led by the Spirit. The most angry people in this life are actually hurting people, there's some kind of wound. And sometimes it's something that they don't even like about themselves that manifests itself in this official, very critical capacity. Maybe they're dealing with something in their own life at the time. And you see it and it's obvious. Don't react. Don't be emotionally driven. But respond. Can I, can I just say this? I have never, ever met a well-adjusted, happy, productive, positive person who is constantly banging out hateful comments on Facebook. Did I go too far? Instead of feeling defensive, I want to have compassion. I want to try to love through the wound instead of always taking it personally. Personally. So how do we love someone that's critical? Well, sometimes you don't, often you don't respond. Sometimes we respond carefully. And number three is this. Occasionally you listen and you make a change. Occasionally you listen and you make a change. You recognize that there's actually something that you can learn from a critic who points out truth from a loving, constructive way and has your best interest at heart. Can can I just be honest here this morning? Sometimes the people who are trying, who are being hard on you, are right. Because you're not listening. Listen, if everyone tells you you have a problem, you might have a problem. If your friends, your mom, your dad, your professor, all your sisters, all the people that are surrounding you say that you're dating the devil. Maybe you should cast out that demon and wait for the man of God in your life. Just saying. Everybody tells you something that maybe you have to something that you need to learn. Proverbs 15 talks about this. In Proverbs 15, it says um, this. um, If you could put that on the screen, please, I'd appreciate it. Is it up there? No? Okay. Well, it says this. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. But if you don't always listen to that, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. If you will accept criticism, And discipline, you're at home among the wise. But if you reject discipline, the only person you're hurting is yourself. There are people that love you. And can I tell you, I've even learned some stuff from people who hated me. They've actually pointed out stuff in me that I needed to change. You can learn from anybody. Here's the key. If you have a true heart to receive, if you have a true heart to receive, there's so many areas in my life that are better because of people that have given me constructive criticism. They're even better that people that maybe didn't even like me pointed out some things that helped me to be a better dad. They've helped me to be a better husband. They've helped me to be a better pastor, a better leader. And I'm going to challenge you with this thought. In the last year, if you haven't had two or three or maybe even four things that have been given to you that is criticism from the people, especially the people that love you, if you find this to be all of that thing, let me tell you, you are missing an opportunity to grow. If you feel like you're so perfect, hello if you feel like you're so perfect that nobody can speak into your life, you are missing an opportunity for God to do something in you. You're missing it. Sometimes, often, we don't respond. Sometimes we respond carefully, understanding we're not driven by emotion, but we want to be led by the Spirit. Sometimes we've got to listen and make a change, and then finally, and probably most importantly, is this. You always work to guard your heart. You always work to guard your heart. Why? Because you want to make sure that you're the one that is not living with a critical spirit. Who is the one who is the author of this? The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brothers. He's the father of lies. He's the critical one who keeps piling on shame and guilt and all of that to try to drive you to the place where you are either away from God, as Cullen was talking about earlier, taking those steps down the ladder, and eventually you'll be the one that's critical. Proverbs 12, 18, it says this, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword but the tongue of the wise is health i don't want my words my heart my spirit to be cutting i don't want it to be distracting i want it to be i don't want it to be life taking i want my words to be life giving i want to be building others up encourage them to follow jesus but the problem is the sinful nature that we have and if we're not careful we can turn into the ones that are critical when we talk about dealing with critical people, sometimes we have no idea because uh, critical people often don't know that they're the ones that's critical. I know I've, I've kind of reeled you in on this series. Last week we, we talked about how to love people that are controlling, and at the end of it, I talked about that you might be that person. Well, today it's the same message only you might be that one that's critical. You have no idea how incredibly critical we can be, and it's born out of a sinful nature. And we say things that are like like this. You know, I can't believe. Can you believe how she dresses? And wearing that thing, and she's acting like she loves God. Can you believe that? Or maybe they say something like, "My boss, he's just a complete idiot. He's the dumbest guy I've ever seen." Here's one. That coach should be fired. Oh, it got a little quiet in here now. I've never played a down of football in my life, but I know he shouldn't have done that, right? We get critical. Man, if I had money, I wouldn't spend it the way they do. I'm much more godly than they are. She's so full of herself. It's all selfie, 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 selfie. Her Facebook page is full of selfie, selfies. <laughs> full of herself. See, we have no idea how critical that our own spirits and hearts can be. The Bible says that we're to guard our hearts against that. You can be very critical. We have the potential to be very opinionated. I can pick apart dumb decisions. I can also pick apart things that I have no idea of what's going on. The Bible says this in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from Solomon the wisest man who ever lived he said this above all else that's pretty plain isn't it above everything else that I'm about to tell you this is important listen to this this is a main thing this is a main point Solomon saying listen this is important to your life above all else guard your heart put People in your heart, put the Holy Spirit in your heart that says, I am not going to allow this critical spirit, I'm not going to allow the lies of the enemy, I'm not going to allow the things of this world to infest my heart because as soon as it hits my heart, everything of my life flows out of that. Guard your heart. Can I I just share a a little thought process here? Why, Why can we be critical? I believe the critical heart is born out of three things. It's born out of pride, it's born out of ignorance, and it's born out of hurt. The critical heart is born out of pride, out of ignorance, and out of hurt. Some of you, this is keeping you from doing what you have called to do because people are being critical of it. You get so wrapped up in what people think. You get so enumerated with what they think. And let me just kind of tell you, if you are more concerned about what people think than what God thinks, that has become a form of idolatry to you. I know that's strong words. I know that that's hard to hear. But if you are more concerned about what people think of you than what God thinks about you, then that is a form of idolatry in your life. And you need to break that down. We need to, as we talked about last week, to clarify our calling, to know what I'm called to do, what lane God has me in to be confident of who I am. But yes, I'm going to be willing to, to listen to constructive criticism. Yes, I'm going to be willing to grow and to learn, but I've got to learn also that I'm not going to just let the lower things and the things that pick me apart and the things that are trying to hold me down, I'm not going to allow that to be part of my life because I'm not going to let low things determine my high calling. And I've got to know who I am in Christ. I'm not going to just live by what people think because I'm not going to be driven by praise and I'm not going to be derailed by criticism. If you need praise to live on, if that is what you feed off of all of your life, can I tell you, if I live by the presence of praise, I'm going to die by its absence. I gotta get my life to where God wants me to be, where every day I'm just I'm more concerned about having the approval of an audience of one. And that's Him. That in my life, if what people think and what they say and what they tell me, yeah, I may listen and I'll filter. Can I just be honest? The first thing I do with criticism, when somebody criticizes me, the first thing I do is pray. And as I pray about that criticism, you know what usually happens? The Holy Spirit will speak to me. You don't have to in that moment because God's going to speak to my heart and he's going to say, yeah, they're right. You're a bozo. You need to fix this. Or he's going to say, you know what? You're okay. And I'll repent and I'll ask for forgiveness and we'll move forward. But I'm living for the approval of one. One. I can't let compliments go to my head, and I can't let criticism go to my heart. I've got to do what God's called me to do. You've got to do what God's called you to do. People that try to tear you down to make them feel better. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to rise above because God's called me to overlook this offense. Let me just tell you again, when you serve God, there's going to be people that are critical, and you've got to learn to deal with it. The higher you rise with the Lord, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more critics you're going to have. The more you do, the more people are not going to like you. It's part of it. If you want to make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to live with it and to rise above. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted. You're going to have that. but I'm not going to let praise go to my head, and I'm not going to let criticism go to my heart. I want to close with a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 14 kind of sums up this, what Paul says here is just powerful. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12, it says, "So why do you judge your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself, of himself to God. Why do we judge? Why do we condemn? Let's stop tearing each other down. Stop picking one another apart. Stop the nitpicking over every little thing. I'm not called to be somebody else's judge. Neither are you. We're not called to be the judge. We're called to love people. There's enough negativity in the world. There's enough hatred. There's enough anger. I, want to be a, not a vo- I don't want to be a voice of discouragement. I want to be a voice of life. I don't want to be the one who's looking for something that's wrong. I think a lot of it is our focus. We have this negative type focus and we're always looking for something that's wrong so we can point it out because that's my job. God's ordained me to point out all the faults of everybody else. So we look for all the negative things. And to be honest, I I just I think our world conditions us that way. That's why it's important to stay connected with the Lord. And instead of looking for what's negative, look for what's positive. Instead of looking for what's wrong, look for what's right. If you want to look for some can I just tell you, if you want to look for something to be critical about, you can find it. Because it's anywhere and everywhere. But if you also want to look for good, if you want to see God working, if you want to see people growing, if you want to see your life change and transform, you need to change what you focus on? So many times we're looking and we're saying that things are bad. But when God created this world, God created it and he said this, it was good. If God created it good, what happened? You made it bad. Oh, uh, yeah, that's hard preaching. Because it wasn't just you, it was me. It was mankind, it was all of us. We made it bad. But God created it good. Good. And instead of God just being critical and and telling us all of these things, you know what He does? He seeks to make it good again. How does He do that? The only way that a loving, caring God knows. He sends a pure, righteous, holy Son, Jesus, to redeem what was bad and to bring dead things back to life. And that's what God does in the life of people. And that's what we as the church should be doing and sharing is the fact that we know someone who brought this dead thing back to life. I've got no room to be critical. I've got no room for that. Because you see, one time I messed up. But God, but God saved me. We can learn. Someone says something to us with criticism. We can learn from it. We can do. We can change. We can recognize the fact that I'm not arrived yet. We can do as the Scripture says and let iron sharpen iron. But I can't let it be a distraction. I can't let it be something that the devil tries to do to pin me down. I've got to be willing to rise above it, to overlook an offense. Because God's calling us to not live for the approval of people, but to live for his approval. And today, maybe you're struggling with that. You can't overlook what somebody's done. The criticism they've given you. Because it's all the time. I hope we've given you some thoughts of scripture today to help you with that. But let me just be honest with you. The best way that that's going to happen in your life is if you seek after God and you start praying about it. And you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life because He wants to. Would you bow your heads today? Father, right now, I pray that, Lord, there are some folks that are here today that are hurting. And it's this very thing that has cut them to the quick. They have been under such scrutiny. I feel like every step they make is met with opposition and criticism. But, God, today I pray, I pray you'd set them free from that. God, your word gives us tools on how we're supposed to respond and what we're supposed to do, and we've talked about that today. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you just speak to their heart and set them free this morning? Would you touch them, Lord, right now in Jesus' name? Maybe you're here this morning with your heads bowed, and you'd say, You know what? I deal with people that are critical all the time, and it's hard for me. It's a challenge. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking of somebody right now. Maybe it's somebody that's close to you because you see, it seems like the ones that are closest to you, those are the ones that hurt the most. And you want to say, God, I want you, can you help me with this today? God, I want to lift this up. Can you help me with this today? If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand and say, God, I want your help today? Yeah. Yep. Hands across the room. Hands across the room. Hallelujah. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray for you in this closing prayer. but Before we do that, I I just feel like I need to have one last thought process, and that's this. Maybe you're here today. And you would be really honest with God and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now. And you've not guarded your heart. And you're the one that's critical. You're the one that finds the negative about everything. You're the one that has focus that needs to be changed. And you'd be willing to be a man or woman enough to say God I need your help to change my focus I need your help Lord to not see the critical side of everything to not just look for the bad but to look for the good today you be honest enough and say God I need you again I've given the devil too much of a foothold and I need you would you forgive me and move in my life if that's you would you slip your hand up today? yeah, thank you yep, yeah. thank you, God bless you. honest hands throughout the auditorium. God bless you. hallelujah Would you stand to your feet today today I'm gonna to lead in a prayer and i'm just gonna I'm gonna pray over you, but as if you raised your hand today to respond as we pray would you if you were in that first group and you're the one that's going through the, the person that's being critical it's hard for you you need the strength of God just ask him say God I need your help I need your strength in this I need your wisdom to guard my heart some of you need to go to Proverbs four twenty three, and you just need to highlight that verse of scripture above all else guard your heart And you need to do that today. Today, if you're the one that says, man, I'm the one, I kind of, I need to regain focus. I'm I'm not doing positive things. I'm focusing on negative things. I'm being critical myself. Today, would you just ask the Lord to forgive you and to help you to start new with him this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. God, that you're patient with us. I thank you, Lord, that you help us in every step of this life's journey. And God, there's some here today that are dealing with people that are in their life that are overly critical. They're dealing with the hurt and the pain and all of the process of that and it's so hard to rise above it. It's so hard to not let it affect us. But God, today I pray that we would take that word and that scripture this morning, that we would guard our heart, that sometimes we often have to do nothing and overlook an offense and rise above it. That sometimes, Lord, we have to respond in a loving, caring way. Not react, but respond by your spirit leading us. Sometimes, God, We've got to look inside of us and see if there's moments to change. But in all of that, God, I pray that you would help us to guard our heart today. To not allow negativity to grip us and to cause us to become critical as well. Because as I said earlier, when the devil does that, we allow him to give us this connotation of what Jesus is like and what the church is like. We don't want that. We don't want to be a bad reflection of you. There are some here today that are they're having a hard time with this idea of being too critical. God, today I, I pray that you would give them a, a focus change. Instead of always looking for the bad of something, I pray that they would look for the good. I pray, God, today that in those situations there are things that are in their life that are just driving them crazy. And they can't help but to lash out. I pray that they would hold their tongue. I pray, God, that they would pray it through. And I pray, God, before anything is said or done, that we would have the mind of Christ before we do anything. Help us, Jesus. To do this, we need your strength. We need to seek you in prayer. We need to have you come into our life and just renew us every day. God, I pray that we do that, gaining our focus back on you and guarding our heart. I thank you, Lord, today, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Go with us, God, as we leave this place, as we love people, as we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love people. God, I pray that you'd cause us to be ambassadors for you, that people would see you in us, We thank you, Lord, today, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.